you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. You know, I grew up uh, going to church. Uh, we were a church-going family. It really was not an option in my house. Um, and you know what, parents, just to let you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be an option in your house. Like, I mean, you know, my dad would phrase it to me this way. If I'd said, hey, dad, I don't want to go to church. He would look at me and say, are any of your bones broken? No. Are you deathly ill? No. Do you want to eat later today? Yes. Okay, we're going to church, right? I mean, so it was never really an option in my house. It doesn't have to be an option in your house. Uh, so parents, just you can be the parent and say, hey, yeah, we're going to church. That's perfectly okay. And, you know, so I was brought up in a house that we went to church all the time. But at the age of 14 is when I made a private decision. And one night in my bedroom, I prayed to receive Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Just right there. It all kind of came together. And I said, you know what, I, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I'm going to follow you. And so I made a private decision at the age of 14. Well, then early in my 20s, I began to read the Bible. And the more and more I read the Bible, I started noticing the pattern in the New Testament that people who were following Jesus were then baptized. You know, so they were saved and baptized. You know, but I was going to a church and a church my mom was brought up in uh, that didn't practice that. They practiced baptism before salvation. So I was baptized as a baby. And so here I was thinking, well, wait a minute, I was baptized this way as a baby in, in this church, uh, but the more I'm reading the Bible, I'm seeing a pattern of people being saved and baptized. And so I took my private decision at the age of 14 and I went public and I was baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. And this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want you to take a private decision, if you've never done this, to go public with it. See, understand Following Jesus Christ, when you make that commitment to Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that's a private decision. That's a decision between you and God. Nobody else makes that decision for you. Right? That's your decision to say, I'm going to be a believer in Jesus and I'm placing my faith, my trust, my hope in Christ. That's private. That's you and God. But the Bible calls us to be public witnesses. And so what the Bible says is take that private decision and go public. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is baptism. Now next week we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper before we jump into our next sermon series on the Holy Spirit through the rest of February. But you think about baptism. There are some of you that are already thinking, well, well, hang on. I've been a Christian longer and you've been a lively. I've been baptized 30 some years ago. Why in the world does this have anything to do with me today? Right? And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to tune this out. Because what we're going to talk about today is the glorious work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our salvation. And the wonderful opportunity that we get to express that in baptism. Is that not cool? Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to talk about this this morning. And there's three groups I really want to talk to you. All right. So every one of you is going to fall into one of these three groups. And I'm going to ask every one of you at the end of this service to make a decision. All right. If you're new with us, we have a time of invitation at the end of our services. And let me explain to you what I want out of each group this morning. First group is this. 
those of you, like me, who follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life and who have been baptized, right? You were baptized as a believer. This is what I want you to do. At the end of our service today, I want you to pray for someone you know who does not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, okay? That's what you're going to do. At the end of our service, you're going to say, I know one, two, two, or three, or four people that don't follow Jesus. I'm going to pray for them, all right? That's group one. Group two, there are some of you that are believers in Jesus Christ, but you've never been baptized as a believer, right? Maybe you didn't know you were supposed to. Uh, maybe you've been putting it off, right? I'm going to call you today at the end of the service not to put it off, right? To say, you know what? I'm ready to go public with a private decision I made in baptism, right? That's group two. I'm going I'm to call you to do that. Group three, there's some of you, whether you're a child or a teenager or an adult, that you have yet to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've yet to make that one-time decision to say, I'm ready to follow Jesus, right? So as group one and group two are going to be coming later and you're going to be praying for those things, group three, those of you that need salvation in Jesus today, I'm going to invite you to come as well, all right? So let's talk about baptism and what in the world does it mean. So grab a Bible and let's start in Romans 5. We're going to move around a little bit this morning through several passages. And so in Romans chapter 5, I want you to find verse 12. Now, when you think about baptism, Paul is going to talk to us a little bit about baptism in in chapter 6, but I'm going to start you in chapter 5 because we want to set the context of what chapter 6 is all about. In Romans chapter 5, Paul has been talking about humanity's greatest problem. Now, stop and think about that. What do you think is humanity's greatest problem? Because we've got a lot of problems out there, don't we? I mean, there's, there's locusts in Ethiopia right now, major earthquake over in Turkey, uh, we've got the, you know, the virus in China that's spreading, right? So we see a lot of problems. I think I could take the rest of the time talking about maybe what's going on in America, right? I mean, we, we got a lot of problems. What's humanity's greatest problem? Paul says it this way in verse 12 of Romans 5. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. That's our greatest problem. We have a sin problem. No matter what country you live in, no matter your race, your, you know, what language you speak, your gender, your age, we all have a problem. And that's we all are sinners. We all break God's law. We all rebel against God. And because of that, we are separated from God in a relationship. That's our greatest problem. But notice God takes care of that greatest problem for us. Drop down to verse 17. It says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. And so Paul says there, God took care of humanity's greatest problem. And that was through Jesus, through his obedience, because Jesus was tempted to sin, but never sinned. Because he was the perfect God-man, because he died on the cross for my sin and your sin, and he rose from the grave on the third day to beat all of that, when we connect ourselves to Jesus, then we take care of our greatest problem, our sin problem. But he says this, that's a free gift. Do you notice in verse 17? He said it's out of his abundance grace and his free gift of righteousness. So salvation in Jesus, nothing you can earn, 
We're going to talk about baptism more. Baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't give you forgiveness of sin. It's what you're expressing outwardly that's happened on the inside. Paul says you've got to receive that free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let's say for a moment this morning it's your birthday. And I say, you know what? I like you enough. I bought you a birthday present. And I put that present down. Now your present is right there. It has your name on it. It's your birthday. This is actually a a good wrapping job. I didn't wrap it. Because I couldn't even really pull this off, to be honest with you. You can ask Sandra later, right? Using Merry Christmas, I just hand her the bag. I bought it. Here you go, right? I say it's your birthday. It's got your name on it. It's your gift. It's your birthday present. When does it become your present, though? So what if you said, oh, I appreciate it. You just walked over here. Oh, thanks for the gift. Is it your present yet? No. When does it become your present? I mean, it's your birthday. It's got your name on it. There's your gift. When's it yours? When you take possession of it, right? When you take it, when you open it, you're going to want to know what's in the bag, right? You want to know what's in the bag? Okay, well, that's what we're not talking about this morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just a towel. Okay, there it is. Just a towel. All right. I had to reveal that because some of you would be staring at the thing, the whole sermon, like, well, it's in the bag, right? Okay. It's just a towel. That's all is in there. But it's not your gift until you take the gift. And in salvation, you have to receive Christ into your life. You have to say, Jesus, I'm taking you in, right? Because that's my gift. And, it's, and I'm, I'm, I'm accepting that. I'm accepting your grace. And so when you do that, the Bible says you are saved. Now, Paul then rolls over into this argument in chapter 6. And he says, okay, now as we're believers in Christ... All right, we've taken that free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he says in verse 1, so then how do we live? Are we to continue in sin because grace abound? By no means, right? We don't want to keep sinning in our lives. But notice what he's going to do. He's going to start showing us baptism and symbolizing what baptism's all about in our lives. Notice first he says this in verse 2. By no means, how can we who have died to sin still live in it. So here's what baptism symbolizes. Baptism symbolizes the death to sin in your life. Okay? So baptism symbolizes the death of sin in your life. So you have died to sin. Right? Paul's not saying sin has died to you. You have died to the power of sin in your life. Last week we talked a lot about temptation. Remember Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, right? God won't give you more than you can be tempted by. No temptations take overtaken you. So when you and I sin as believers in Jesus Christ, whose fault is it? It's ours, right? Sin didn't overpower you. Satan didn't make you do it. You did it. You gave in. You sinned. I sin. But Paul's saying there that when we are baptized as believers in Jesus, that you're symbolizing that sin has died to your life. Secondly, baptism symbolizes that we're buried with Christ. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So if you've seen a baptism here, the way we baptize is we immerse the person because that's what baptism means. Every time you read baptism in that passage, the word literally means to dunk, to dip, to immerse, right? And so you see a lot of verses in the Bible that says they went into the water and they came out of the water. You know, you've been reading through Luke and you read about John the Baptist. It says he was baptizing in the Jordan River where there was much water, right? So the biblical way to be baptized is to be immersed. And so when you are immersed under the water, you're saying, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have died to sin. And now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm symbolizing when I go under that water, I am buried with Christ. And let's say for a moment, I, I died suddenly. And you came to my funeral. If you have to work, don't worry about it, right? I mean, if you can't make it, it's okay. I'm not going to write anything bad about you on Facebook for missing my funeral, all right? It's okay. Two of you got that joke. That was all right, right? Okay. Sorry about those thinking jokes again. So. But let, let's say, you know, I died suddenly. We had a funeral. I've told Sandra very specifically what I want in my funeral because every time I do a funeral, I go home and we talk about it. And I say this, look, get someone to sing How Great Thou Art at my funeral, okay? That's the only song I care to have at my funeral, How Great Thou Art. Get a preacher to really preach the gospel at my funeral because a funeral is not about me, it's about Jesus. And so just have them preach the gospel, give an invitation, and you're done, right? That's, that's it. That's all I want. How great thou art in a gospel message, and that's it. But after the funeral service, let's say you took me to the graveyard. And you said, okay, it's time to bury Lee. And you just laid my body there on the ground, and you took a handful of sand, and you just threw it over the top of my head. Did you bury me? No. You left me out in the sun and you threw dirt on my head. (laughs) So if we think about baptism, and we're saying our baptism symbolizes being buried with Christ, can we really symbolize a burial with Christ with a few sprinkles of water? Or, Or a handful of water? Or a pour of water? No. How do we symbolize it? How do we show it? We immerse under the water and we say, you have died with Christ. You are buried with Christ. The old you is in the grave. Now, here's the great news. When we baptize you, we bring you back up. Right? We'll bring you back up. And depending on how much trouble you're giving me, depends on how long I leave you there, right? Just kidding, just kidding. It's a quick up and down. Just don't panic, deep breath, right? I do seriously tell everybody before I baptize them, I'm like, look, if I drop you by accident, just sit up, right? Don't, just don't panic. You won't die in the baptistry by drowning. Just sit up. You'll be all right. But here's the great news. Baptism symbolizes the death of sin in your life. Baptism It symbolizes you've been buried with Christ, but baptism symbolizes you've been raised with Christ, right? That you've been raised with Jesus. Look at what Paul says in verse 4. He says, we were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too may walk in the newness of life. 
For if we've been united with him in death like this, we shall be certainly united with him in a resurrection like his. I love the fact when we get to talk about the gospel and what Jesus has done, that Jesus didn't stay dead. Amen? That Jesus had a resurrection. And he, you know, he, he died on the cross for our sin, but then in the end, he rose again. And because of that resurrection, now if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a resurrection. You have a physical resurrection. Death has no hold over you. I don't know if you heard on social media this week, but a, a gentleman by the name of Solomon Pease died. And Solomon was a great guy. And here's what they had on his tombstone his family made. He said, beneath the clouds and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Pease. But this ain't peas. It's just the pod. Peas shelled out and he went with God. And if you think about your life, your body is a shell of your soul. Your body's a shell. But your soul's going to be somewhere for all of eternity. And where's it going to be? Because the Bible says that if you don't have Christ, then you're in hell for all of eternity. But with Christ, you're with him for all of eternity. And so now Jesus is because his resurrection, you then one day will have a bodily resurrection. And as a believer in Jesus, you get a new body one day. No more breaking down and and doctor's visits and all those things that you and I struggle with. He says we have new life in Christ. Verse 5, when we are united with him in a death like his, we shall be certainly united with him in a resurrection like his. So that's baptism. Baptism, when you are baptized as a believer, you are immersed under the water. You are symbolizing that death to sin. You're symbolizing burial with Christ when we bring you back up. You're symbolizing that resurrection with Jesus. So if that's baptism, then who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? Because if you ask that question, there's a lot of people who go, well, you know, maybe babies. People before salvation, after salvation. So Who then does the Bible say should be baptized? Well, when you study the New Testament, you're going to find a pattern. It's always people who've placed their faith in Christ. Now, the book of Acts has 27 baptisms in them. This week, you're going to start the book of Acts if you're on the Bible reading plan with us. And just start marking those as you're reading through Acts. Start noticing the pattern. 27 times in baptism in the book of Acts, all believers. Let's look at two of them real quick. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, that is the day of Pentecost. And so what happens in Pentecost is the Holy Spirit comes, as Jesus had predicted, and they comes and indwells the apostles. Well, now it's Pentecost, and so there's people from all different countries and speaking all different kind of languages, and the apostles start standing up and preaching and talking in the languages of the people. And so the Jews are like, whoa, you're drunk and you're crazy for doing this. Like, there's no way you should be pulling this off. And Peter starts preaching a sermon. And to that crowd, he's sharing Jesus with them. He's letting them know that, no, no, you've crucified Christ. And Christ has come back from the grave. And pick up in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. It says, when they heard this, this crowd, this sermon by Peter, they were cut to the heart. And Peter said, and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And the crowd just they fell under the conviction of the word of God. What do you want us to do? Notice what Peter says, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now notice what happens in verse 40 and 41. It says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now here's a formula, if you will. Notice what happens. They repent. They turn from their sin. They receive the word of God by faith. And they're baptized. Okay? So repent, turn from sin, turn into Christ, receive the word of God by faith, and they're baptized. Now let's go over to Acts chapter 16. This is one of my uh, favorite verses. And pick up in verse 25. In Acts 16, you actually have a couple of baptisms, but let's look at the Philippian jailer story. In Acts chapter 16, pick up in verse 25, Paul and Silas are in prison. Uh, They have been arrested for preaching Christ and accused of stirring up a riot in Philippi. And it says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and every bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners escaped. Verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, don't harm yourself, for we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And notice what he says in verse 30, then sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul says this, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And he spoke the word to the Lord of them and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. Do you notice the pattern? Do you notice the formula? Repent. Turn from your sin. Turn to Christ. Trust him by faith. Be baptized. And if you looked at the next 25 baptisms through the book of Acts, you're going to see that simple formula. Turn from your sin. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life. And be baptized. Now, some of you may look at that and say, well, hang on, because some groups will do this. They'll take that verse and they'll say, well, wait a minute, his household was baptized. So does that mean babies were baptized? I mean, certainly if his household was baptized, maybe some babies were baptized in there, right? Well, I would think that's kind of reading more into the text than what's actually in the text. Because in every one of our households, are there babies? No, a lot of your households don't have babies in them, right? You may have a household full of teenagers. You may have just you and your spouse. So what's the principle here? The principle of what he's saying is, take the gospel back to your family. Share the gospel with them, and whoever in your family comes to know Christ, then they can be baptized, right? Whoever in your family repents and receives Jesus is saved. So who should be baptized? People who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. Who've never taken a private decision and gone public. So let's ask this then. Final question. Why? Why should you do it? I mean, why do it? You can probably look at it and say, all right, I understand what it's about. I understand who should do it. But why should I do it? Why should I get baptized? If I've never been baptized as a believer, why in the world do I really want to do that? Let me walk you through a couple more passages. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. 
In Matthew chapter 28, this is post-resurrection. So Jesus has died on the cross. Jesus has appeared to the disciples several times. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven uh, to sit at God, you know, God's right hand, where he is today, ready to come back. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty cool if he comes back like you know, this week. I'll be all right with that. Amen? Anybody else? Okay, yeah. Some of you are a little unsure about that. I don't know if you have like business meetings or something you would rather attend, but you know, I'm pretty cool for the Lord to come back at any moment he wants to, but you know, he's coming at some point. And before he leaves, Jesus says this, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always till the end of the age. I love verse 18 because we kind of, you know, just gloss over this sometimes. Jesus says in verse 18 these words, all authority has been given to me. What do you think all means there? All, right? Okay, all authority has been given to me. Who has authority in your life? Yeah, right? Not you. Jesus. You might say, well, well, hang on. I'm not a follower of Jesus. He didn't have all authority over my life. You sure? Because he just kind of said he did. You know what makes a believer in Jesus a believer in Jesus? When you recognize that authority. And you say, you know what? You have authority in my life. I'm bowing to that authority. I'm surrendering to that authority. I'm following you as my savior because he has all authority. So when he calls you to be baptized, He's not suggesting you be baptized. The one with all authority says, be baptized. Because what are we to do in verse 19? We're to go and make disciples of all nations. Well, what's part of that making process? Baptism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching people to observe the word of God. So when you go out and you have a gospel conversation with someone and you share Jesus with them and you invite them to church and they get mad at you, go, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get mad at me. Jesus told me to do it, right? The one who had all authority just told me to do it. I'm just here being the messenger. Don't get mad at me. If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at Jesus. He's the one who said to do it, right? Take the pressure off yourself. But don't treat baptism as an option. Does baptism save you? No, doesn't save you, doesn't give you grace, but it's taking a private decision and going public with you because your Savior told you to do it. Secondly, this, this is why you should get baptized, not only because Jesus said so, because when you're baptized, you're sharing your testimony. When you're baptized, you're being a witness to the congregation that day saying, this is what I believe. I believe in the death and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you have seen a baptism in our church? Just raise your hand real quick, right? A lot of you have seen baptisms. Here's the cool thing. Every time before I baptize somebody, I tell them this. I said, by you doing this today, you're going to be a witness to someone else who's sitting out there who needs to be baptized also. And God's going to use your baptism to help someone else make that same decision. And I want you to think about that. Some of you, you know, you guys are are great artists. You can draw, you can paint, you can graphically design stuff. And I want you to think when you're baptized, what you're doing is painting, drawing a visual picture for everyone in attendance, what you believe. 
You're showing everybody in attendance, I believe in Jesus. I believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm standing up here to let you know that. So who should be baptized? Believers in Jesus Christ who haven't been. Why should you? Because you're giving that testimony. You're going public. You're preaching the sermon that morning almost, right? You're showing what you believe. You're showing the gospel. What does baptism mean? It symbolizes your death to sin in your life, your burial with Christ, your resurrection with Christ. So this is the final question. What should you do? What should you do? And here's the part of our service where I'm going to call you into action. Right? Group one, here's what I want you to do. This morning I want you to pray. We talk about having our four-by-fours here. If you're new with us, we have a four-by-four plan for every one of us. It means this. Find four people in your life that you know who do not follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their lives. It can be family. It can be friends. It can be coworkers. It could be your neighbor. It could be the person you, you know, see at the grocery store every week. Right? Find four people who don't know Christ as your Savior. Pray for them four times a week. Invite them to four parties a year. Times where you get to connect with them and you can have a conversation about the Lord. And we do it all for Jesus. So this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been baptized as a believer, here's what I want you to do. In a moment, after I finish praying, I want you to come when the music starts, and I want you to come first, because I want you to pray for those people that you know who need Jesus as their Savior. So I'm going to ask you to physically move this morning. Can you pray at your seat and do the exact same thing as you can do down front? Yes, but I'm going to ask you to get up and move. The reason being, my group one, is because I know there are people out here that need to be baptized as believers in Jesus. And I don't want them to feel uncomfortable coming. Right? I want them to see other people coming. And so you come, you pray at the steps for that person that needs Jesus. You get on your knees before God and say, God, these people are important to me. They're important to you. I want you to see them come to know Christ as their Savior. So group one, in a moment, when that music starts, you come. Right? Group two. Group two is this, those of you that are believers in Jesus Christ, but you have yet to be baptized as a believer, I'm going to call you to come, and I'm going to call you to come and talk to me. There's going to be a deacon and his wife to my left, a deacon and his wife to my right. You come to one of us and go, look, I need to be baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. We're going to talk to you. We're going to have a baptism service on February 16th. In March 1st. Do we have anybody lined up yet? Nope. We're just putting it out there and we'll have some people in the pool. I guarantee you because God's working on some of your lives and you're going to say yes. All right. So February 16th, March 1st. We're putting it on faith on the calendar. We'll baptize that day because I know some of you are about to say yes. But I need some of you to cut the excuses out. Some of you are going to look at me and say, well, I don't want to get wet in front of people. I don't like crowds. I don't, want to, you know, I don't want to get wet in front of people. Do you know what Jesus did in front of people for you? I mean, honestly, you know what he did? He got beaten upon, spit, stripped naked, died on a cross. Come get wet for a minute. You can do that. I, I get to ask this question sometimes, and I don't mean to be cold-hearted one bit at this. I'll have people ask me sometimes, can I do this privately? Can I do it after the service with my friends and my family? No, you can't. Why? This is a public thing. This is you taking a private decision and going public. And we won't embarrass you when you get baptized. What are we going to do, church? We're going to celebrate that. Amen? Yeah. So, so just lay the excuse down. 
We're not going to ask you to say a whole lot when you get baptized. We're going to ask you, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life? And you're going to say, yeah. If you say no, then you've got to get out of the pool. I'm sorry, but I mean, just, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's it. But, but don't say there, I, you know, I, I'm afraid of getting in front of people. You can do it, all right? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And guess what? You can do it, right? Okay, you can do this. Some of you might say, well, I don't want to become a Baptist. Okay. I, I don't want to join the, you know, church. Okay. I don't want to be Southern Baptist if I get baptized. Okay. I'm not calling you to do any of those things. What I'm calling you to do is be obedient. Go be baptized as a believer. So group two, when we start that, you come and let us know. All right. That's, that's some of you. I know that's some of you. You come and let us know. I'm ready to be baptized. Group three is this. Those of you that have yet to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make today that day. Make today the day where you say yes to Jesus. Look, the, the Bible's real. The Bible says there's a heaven and the Bible says there's a hell. And those in heaven are those who sinned on this earth but recognize Jesus was the only one to be able to take away that sin. Those in hell are those who sinned on this earth and who said no to Jesus in their life. I want you to say yes to Christ. I want you to say yes to Jesus this morning. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org slash give.